I'm Matt. And I'm Jenna. We are Mana. And this is Food for Thought. A podcast dedicated to encourage and inspire you as you seek to grow your relationship with Christ and live out your Catholic faith. year at the grocery store asked my dad if he would like his milk in a bag he always says no just leave it in the carton <laughs> so not good <laughs> i'm just tired of <laughs> this, like knock knock dag <laughs> hi everyone <There> we <laughs> welcome to episode 10 we know what episode it is yay it's a miracle um Jenna, you want to do your Joy Junk Jesus? Oh my gosh, yes. So my Joy this week is a good friend of mine. Um, just had her baby. And it's really been just really beautiful to, to witness and see um, just the progress of her pregnancy. And then for um, us to kind of be journeying together pre- as like being pregnant and then seeing her have her baby. And it just making everything extremely real for mm-hmm. me at the same time. And so, of course, my logical thing to do when she said she was going into labor was look up um, labor videos and... <laughs> Is that your junk? <laughs> uh, no, it's not. But, like, I seriously, I, I stumbled upon one that was, like, um, women that are so strong, or, like, because of labor, or something, some weird title, but mm-hmm. I was like, I'm gonna watch this. It made me cry. <laughs> oh, I was sitting no. there, and I was crying, because it was just so beautiful, because it was these mothers um, giving birth to their children, and then holding their babies. I think I'm just really hormonal, mm. which, yeah, probably, <laughs> but, like, most people would put the video down and be like, no, I'm not watching, and I was just like, no, I'm hooked. <laughs> it's bad, but it's fine. So, then my Jesus moment is um in that same thread of just seeing her baby um and the reality of that and knowing that I'm carrying that like similar life within Mm -hmm. me and so I was um sitting on the couch and doing my morning reflection and she just started kicking and it was just it was setting all of that in and just um that moment of thanking God for just this beautiful life that I'm carrying. Mm. Um, but then I also have another Jesus moment of, we had a teen that contacted me via our Instagram, um, our work Instagram, and he wants to become Catholic. Um, and he doesn't have much of a Catholic background. He's just going to a Protestant church around here, and he has friends that are Catholic, and he's been diving into scripture and realizing everything that they're teaching him is wrong. And now the Catholic church is like the ultimate truth. So I got to meet him yesterday, and that was another beautiful Jesus moment of just how Christ is working his life. But then my junk moment, or my junk of my week, was I'm just so overwhelmed with stuff. Confirmation's ending um, I feel like there's 50 different events that is I know, happening. You've been here like 15 days in a row. <sighs> I have though, and it's just a lot. Um, so I'm feeling very well overwhelmed and very anxious, kind of all of the time, <clears throat> and it's affecting my sleep and just kind of how I'm doing life. So those are my joy jokes and my Jesuses, mm. plurals. What about you? Uh, my joy, uh, first of all, is my intern Vanessa. She Shut became up. a supporter on Patreon. Oh! 
so that's super awesome. So not only my intern, but one of my very good friends. So um, super grateful for that support. And anyone can go on our Patreon and support us uh, in this podcast for as little as $1 a month. So I want to encourage you to do that. My other joy is I found one of my favorite 90s shows on Amazon Prime, Third Rock from the Sun. And I am what? so... It's, it's this amazing show about <laughs> aliens who come and inhabit human bodies and try and study Earth. And it's got like a super young Joseph Gordon-Levitt and John Lithgow, um, French Stewart, Kristen Johnson, um, just an awesome, awesome cast. So we used to watch that as a family, so I'm very nostalgic um, watching it. So that's just been awesome. Oh my my junk. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty great. My junk. What was my junk? I thought of a junk, and then we were just talking that it's so hard sometimes for us to come up with junks. But I had, oh, my junk is that um, my wife and I, we just haven't had a lot of time to just spend together. We spent the whole last weekend apart because um, we just had two conflicting um, schedules, and hers brought her up to stay with her family in the Inland Empire um, for the weekend to do some baby shower planning and things like that, and then I had events at the parish, so... Um, so we've had little moments to connect each day and like, you know, do our normal, you know, praying together and talking about our day, but um, not a lot of time to just like be together. So that's been kind of my junk, but hopefully this weekend we'll change that. And then um, my Jesus moments, um, right now all my confirmation teens are writing their bishop letters. And so getting to read those is just like super awesome and getting to see like um, where are you really at in your faith, you know, because some, mm. some people just don't wear that on their sleeve, you know, they kind of are, are keeping it internally. So um, it's, it's nice to see um, all the fruits in the lives of, of the teens that have been in confirmation. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been really awesome. And another Jesus moment, I had a meeting with my pastor the other day and I was going in and I was like really nervous because I really wanted to propose something to him. Um, and just like, okay, I'm thinking, thinking I'll probably say it like this. And I go in and he is like, you know, Matt, I'm thinking this. It basically says exactly what I was going to say to him. Oh and I was gosh. like, Jesus, you are so awesome. <laughs> like, um, so just tricky. like so clear that Jesus was working in that situation and wanted that to happen. So, um, yeah, that was just really cool. So, mm. Jenna, what is our topic for today? Well, your Jesus moment kind of flows into it. Um, it's We're talking about the Holy Spirit and who the Holy who Spirit is. What is that? Is who he is because he's kind of like the redheaded stepchild of <laughs> the Trinity. The Trinity. Um, nobody really talks about him or he's just not very, I don't know. He's just a redhead stepchild. I'm sorry if that offends somebody. I probably shouldn't say that. But he's the Ron Weasley of the. There you go. <laughs> he's the Ron Weasley. Um, so that reference was from my husband then. Um, so basically, we're just talking about who he is, and then a lot of us hear about you know the different gifts of the Holy Spirit, and sometimes that falls into like oh the charismatic movement of the Holy Spirit. Um, so we're talking about that. Then there's. Trying to plan this episode was kind of insane because there's so many different things we could talk about and so many different um, roads and paths and areas that we can focus on. So yeah. I feel like this is just kind of a jump start and a launch pad for a very large conversation that we could have. Yeah, and if any of you listeners like any part of this and want us to elaborate more on a future episode on one particular part, please let us know. Yes. So, while I was preparing for this, if you've never heard of um, this series, there's a series called, called Wow, blah, 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 blah. Holy Spirit Come. Okay, slow down. There's a series, it's a 14-part series called The Wild Goose that... Um, it's on YouTube. 
it's on YouTube. It's on if you've ever gone on formed.com or .org, sorry. Dork. Dork. <laughs> Form dork. It's a new web platform that I'm developing. Um, so if anyone wants to host a website on dork, um, I think because I've said it, I have to invent it. That's the rule on TV, right? If you say you say a website on a TV show or oh something, gosh. you have to you have Create to have it. it. Yeah. Oh. So dorg is going to be a thing. But also formed.org. Formed.org. Is a real place. It is. Um, it's a Catholic website that has different documentaries and resources and um, shows that you can watch that's really, really good and beautiful. But it's on there. But there's this um, series called The Wild Goose that talks about who the Holy Spirit is and just really moves you through um, what he does in our lives and whatnot. But while I was preparing for this, I was watching part of it and... Um, upon reflecting on who the Holy Spirit is, the host and writer of the show, Father Dave Pavanka, he asked the question of, um, basically, how would you describe your spiritual life? And um, he was walking through the catacombs um, at the time, and he was saying, if you feel like your spiritual life is very barren and empty and dry and dead, um, you know, what does that mean? Is that, are, are we truly living in the life that Christ called us to when he said that um, he came so that we could have, have life and have it abundantly. And as he was reflecting on this and saying these things, he said that, um, you know, Christ isn't enough. And that kind of is a controversial thing in the sense that um, we listen to that and we hear that statement that Christ isn't enough. And it makes us kind of sit back and be like, whoa, wait, what? <laughs> um, no, Christ should be enough. But Christ, he knew that he wouldn't be enough. His his um, salvation is enough. But he came and he died and he rose and he gave us somebody else. He gave us the Holy Spirit, knowing that um, he was not enough, that we needed the full Trinity to be enough. And so um, we see this in the lives of the disciples, that when Christ died, the disciples, what did they do? They ran and they hid, right? Mm -hmm. They hid in the room, and it says that they hid in the room out of fear, and out of fear of death. Um, and that is when Jesus came in John, and it says, He came and he said, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And then he said to the, um, and when he said this, sorry, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. So really recognizing in our own lives that, um, though we may have a relationship with Christ, we still have that longing and that deep desire for something more. And that may be that we're like greatly, greatly lacking this relationship with the Holy Spirit, which I think um, really woke something up in me when I was reflecting on this because it, you know, with my junk saying how anxious and how overwhelmed I am and then reflecting on this verse of Christ coming and saying peace be with you mm -hmm. that he's saying I want a person to be with you I want someone to be with you and that person is the Holy Spirit and I want that um that peace for you and so when we look in the catechism and we look at how um, the Holy Spirit shows up in different areas of the Bible um the term spirit, it actually translates to ruah, which um, means breath, air, or wind. And the Holy Spirit is constantly moving in these very subtle ways, in these movements of wind, of breath. Um, they say that when the Holy Spirit came down into the room with the disciples, it was like a large wind. And how terrifying, mm -hmm. I'm sure that was, because they were already in this place of fear. And any sound, any movement, I'm sure, 
was absolutely terrifying for them. Yeah. Um, the Holy Spirit, I, I totally agree with, you know, how you personified it as like the forgotten sibling of the Trinity in a <laughs> sense, because, um, you know, we, the, the Trinity is a mystery. And so it's hard to comprehend that we need all three persons of the Trinity, but not have a relationship with the Trinity that's like tritheist, that we're like worshiping three mm, different gods, yeah. you know? Um, and so that understanding of Trinity is like one of the the ways of being. That's what that word, um, you know, not three persons, but one divine being. Mm-hmm. Um, that word person, hypostasis, actually means, is more accurately translated as way of being. Um, and so that one of God's ways of being is the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And in this time in our salvation history, in salvation history, that's the way of being in which he is primarily seeking to interact with us as church, as his sons and daughters. Because, you know, we see God the Father working very much so in the Jewish people in the Old Testament. And then we see God the Son coming down and living and his incarnation and death and resurrection and ascension to heaven. Um, but... God and his glory is not dwelling in, you know, a tabernacle Shekinah glory cloud anymore, like on Sinai or at the temple. Jesus is not walking, you know, flesh and blood here uh, on earth anymore. We have the Eucharist, obviously, um, but the way in which God seeks to be in the world today and guide the church, sustain the church, guide us and sustain us is the Holy Spirit. And so I think that's really important to recognize that if in your prayer life, you're constantly only saying God or Father, um, then maybe your prayer life is only utilizing or being bearing fruit from one way of being of God. Um, I kind of always um, associate our prayer life in terms of Jesus with um, kind of like Voldemort, like he's kind of he who must not be named. Like people, sometimes people have a hard time saying the name of Jesus in prayer because yeah. they're so accustomed to this kind God. of distant God the Father yeah. creator who's all powerful. And they haven't yet encountered this person of Jesus who they're meant to be in relationship with. But I think even more so, the Holy Spirit, I mean, we just kind of liken to this, like, force or this wind or, like, or this, this, like... pretty little dove. Yeah. Or just, like, <laughs> this little breeze. And, like, when I'm outside and the yes. sun is touching my skin, that's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and it's beautiful. You know? And it's just like, no, the Holy Spirit is power and sustenance and guidance and a forceful fire from heaven. And it's, yeah. like, meant to enliven and enrich the church and each one of us today, and imbue with us the gifts, the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, from from whence we will bear the fruits of the Holy Spirit, and from where our charisms will come from, which I know, Jenny, you're going to talk about those. Um, but I think it's just so important to recognize that. Like, if you look at your prayer life, exactly how Father Dave was, was um, characterizing it, mm-hmm. and it's barren, or maybe feel like it's not bearing fruit, ask yourself, like, do I have a relationship with the Holy Spirit? What does that look like? Mm-hmm. Um, because if you've been confirmed... Um, I mean, even if you've been baptized, you've received, received um, you know, the Holy Spirit within you. But um, when you've been confirmed, that's when you're really um, not only receiving the Holy Spirit in a very bold and profound way, but you're really kind of unlocking the Holy Spirit within you uh, in such a way that you are transformed by whatever gifts and talents you need to go forth and promote and defend the faith and live out your mission in the world. And so um, that is our baptismal call, but it's reinforced by that just outpouring of the Holy Spirit at confirmation. And so um, if you've been confirmed, you have that the power of the Holy Spirit. And you can, our church teaches, you can actually call upon the power of the Holy Spirit. Like God allows himself to be subject to your 
will as long as it's oriented toward him, obviously, when you receive the Holy Spirit at confirmation. Like, you get that. It's almost like a churchy superpower. Like, you can, when you say, come Holy Spirit, and you're confirmed, the Holy Spirit comes. Like, the Holy Spirit's like, well, I'm busy. Like, no. Like, the Holy Spirit shows up. And so, that's a very powerful thing. And I think that's something that, um, thank you for saying all that, because the Holy Spirit is not just, like, some gentle little... Um, thing that happens to your life but it's he is a force to be reckoned with and he's the outpouring of our father's love of our of christ's love um that has been sent for us to give us courage to give us all these gifts but in romans 5 it says the love of god has been poured out within our hearts through the holy spirit who was given to us and we need to know that um the holy spirit is there to love us and to be with us and you can have one encounter with the Holy Spirit, and it'd be entirely different the next time you pray, come Holy Spirit. Yeah. It's not like he just is a one-time thing that shows up. He's like, okay, hey, hello, confirmation day. I'm here. Yeah. Let me love on you for a second, and let me be done. No, no, no. The Holy Spirit is consistent, and he's unconditional, and it's God's love um, overwhelming us every single time and giving us new things and new ways because God is um, eternal. And so learning about him and discovering him through the Holy Spirit is going to be new and beautiful every single time. Yeah. Dennis the Menace to me is like, Dennis or not Dennis the Menace, the Holy Spirit is like Dennis the Menace, <laughs> who also happens to be like the human torch or something like that. Or like, like those two things combined where like Dennis the Menace is like ready and willing at all times to just like cause havoc, but everything works out. And then the human torch because just like fire and power and like all of this boldness. And so like, that's how I picture, whenever I think of the Holy Spirit, I think of this like crazy, rambunctious, like child on the edge of its seat, like ready, like ready for me to just say those words, come Holy Spirit. And then like, boom, like going into action. Mm -hmm. Like it's so, if you have that characterization of this, like this light breeze or like, I felt warm one time when I was in adoration. Like, that's great. Like you're, you're having a physical response to a reality of Jesus being present and the Holy Spirit being there. But I think we can't limit it. You know, we can't limit the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, um, I think, um, David Calvita once, um, said this, I don't know if he was quoting someone else, but I heard him say once, like, um, praying come Holy Spirit is like trying to fill up a Dixie cup with a fire hose. Um, (laughs) you know, it's like, it's, it's overwhelming, you know, um, and you could, you know, equate that to a waterfall even. So I think just not downplaying the power of the Holy Spirit and its role that his role that is meant to be played in all of our lives in the life of the church. Mm-hmm. And the Holy Spirit, he was sent, one, to love on us, but he's also sent to, um, just to re- reveal to us who God is, um, to make Christ known to us. Um, and, you know, the, Christ, the Holy Spirit isn't like, he's not speaking. He doesn't speak, but he uses, he uses other people. He uses the word of God, the word of Christ, um, to speak through that and to Mm -hmm. speak into our hearts who God is and then what God's will for us is. And Mm -hmm. so I think sometimes when, um, we're praying and people ask us like, Oh, how do you, how do you hear, hear God? Um, it's, it's my ears. (laughs) (laughs) He's just a voice in my head. If you were holy enough, Um, then maybe you would hear him. (laughs) Sometimes, sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, no. But that's how it feels. It like does. if you're not, if you're he- not hearing him, enough. it feels like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, but that's the thing is that the spirit um 
he sometimes he can work through that and use your own voice but at the same time it's very much so it's a peace it's an overwhelming sense of peace not like a um, oh, that felt nice, or yeah. uh, oh, that was good, but like a very deep-seated peace within your heart of of praying and asking. Um, and that's something we're not really going to get into at this episode of discernment, um, so maybe that we can elaborate more yeah. on that. I think we characterize it as a voice just because we don't have the human language to, to describe say, what it is. Yes. It's like this inner language that only our soul speaks, and that's mm-hmm. like how the Holy Spirit communicates, and it's not like... You know, there are people that have extraordinary charisms that, you know, hear differently that we might um, touch on this episode. But, um, yeah, anyways. Anyways, so the Holy Spirit, he works in so many different areas and so, so many different ways. But like Matt said, um, when we are baptized, we are given the Holy Spirit. And through this gift of the Holy Spirit, we receive um, gifts of the Spirit. And I think that's something that a lot of people hear about but don't really completely understand what the gifts of the Holy Spirit are. Um <laughs> But basically, the um, gifts of the Holy Spirit are heroic characters of Christ that have been gifted to us um, so that we can become these mystical um, part of his body. Um, And so they're permanent gifts that you're given at baptism that can't be taken away, but they also can be left unused. Um, and so, yeah, it's almost as if like you're given a wrapped present when you're baptized and when you're confirmed, you have the power to open or use the gift. Yes. Um, and so it's not, it it affects you by the fact that you have it, but when you're confirmed, it kind of unlocks the ability, you know, to Mm -hmm. be able, it's kind of, that's at least how I understand it. Yeah. Um, so, cause with that baptism, the confirmation is necessary. Um, it's, but it's not that the Holy Spirit that comes to you is incomplete. It's just that it's. For a specific purpose, and when we're confirmed, the Holy Spirit then takes on a new role um, in our lives. Yeah, and another analogy for that is that you know we are we can be like ships, where our sails can be either wide open. We get mm-hmm. this gift of like movement, um, and the Holy Spirit is that wind that moves us, um, or we can just be completely closed off to it and not allow our our sails to be opened and yeah. moved by the Spirit. And that's why uh, in a lot of places in the world they still baptize and confirm at the same time, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're a child or that was how it was in the early church and then became separated when it was always clear that the, the bishop or one of the apostles would confer the Holy Spirit by the laying on of hands. We see that in Acts chapter eight, um, with the, um, incident with Simon, the magician. Um, and so when bishops became less, um, readily available due to the increase in population of non-ordained people, then we had the the sacraments just had to kind of be separated a little more mm-hmm. because you know there were times when the bishop would ride through on horseback um, when it was very very no early in the church and they'd tell people like come on out if you're baptized and the bishop will confirm you as he's passing by on his horse and so sometimes it was like that that no way. yeah that rare of an occasion um, but it was always clear from the beginning in scripture that that conferring of the Holy Spirit came directly from um, Jesus Christ or someone he gave that authority and power to. So one of the apostles yeah. and then the bishops or, or um, priests that came after. That's so funny. I, I had, yeah, <laughs> never mind. It's fine. Um, but all of the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit comes from Isaiah 11. And it says, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. A branch shall grow out of his roots. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. So just within that, um, 
those couple of verses, we see that we receive um, the gift of wisdom, understanding, counsel, fortitude, knowledge, piety, and fear of God. All of these gifts that are given to us by the Holy Spirit through our baptism and um, then sealed with confirmation. Yeah. So that the wisdom is knowledge gained through experience. Uh-huh. You know, knowledge is just the knowledge of God. Understanding that ability to um, empathize, that ability to know what's going on. In a, yeah, in a, in a given situation. Um, counsel, that's kind of your ability to have right judgment. Um, piety, mm-hmm. that ability to be holy. Um, to have that um, occasion toward reverence, that inclination toward yeah. reverence. Worshiping um, God. Fortitude is that adversity and mom- or um, courage and um, in the moments of adversity. And fear mm-hmm. of the Lord is that sense of wonder and awe. And so if you've heard alternate names for those, that's why. Because sometimes the names can be misleading. And so sometimes they'll be named slightly different. Yeah. But those are those gifts. Yeah. Um, and these are beautiful gifts that we tend to, I don't know, I feel like, when I was learning about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, these gifts, it was always dulled down. And it was always very like, oh, you receive gifts like fortitude and knowledge. And yeah, you're going to fear God. Yeah. And it was very, very, very boring. When I first heard fortitude, I thought it was just I'd be really good at building a fort. Because <laughs> I did not know Exactly. But these are gifts that are given to us to, to go out and to be disciples and to um, strengthen us and to give us that ability to know God in a deeper way. Um and their, their habits and their instincts that um, St. Aquinas calls them um, to provide us the help to perfection, to become holy, mm-hmm. and to lead us and guide us into holiness, into heaven. Um, they're not, I don't know, they're just not fluff. They're not just like little, little extra things. They're things yeah. that we need to dive into and we really, really desperately need to be using. Um, and Pope Francis, he says, this is the gift with which the Holy Spirit helps us make decisions in our concrete lives. God enlightens our hearts and directs our thoughts, words, and actions in accordance with his saving will. That we need, we need these gifts. We need these gifts to know God's will, to discern, to um, just dive deeper into prayer. But if we're not tapping into these, then our life is going to be that dry, bones, um, boring. We're just not going to be spiritually fed in the way that we need to be in order to go out and be disciples. Yeah. When I think of the gifts, I think of Monk, the show that you and I really yes. like. Yes. Because I think about receiving a gift. And so the show Monk, in a very short synopsis, is about this detective who um, has um, kind of like obsessive compulsive disorder that was amplified when his wife was killed mm-hmm. in a car bomb. And it's the only case he's never solved. And he's brilliant. He notices things that no one else does because of his obsessive compulsive nature. Um, and it's a six season show. And you find out partway through the show that every Christmas he puts this gift um, from his wife under the tree that he's never opened. And um, she gave it to him like the day that she died. Uh, she died, I think, on on. Not on Christmas, but around Christmas, and when she had given him that gift and, and put it under the tree. And so he always puts it there, but he never opens it. And not until the final episode, oh, yeah, or last two that. episodes, does he open it and realize that within the, in the gift is exactly what he needs to figure out what happened to his wife. Um, and so... That to me is like the uh, such a good analogy for the gifts of the Holy Spirit because like we have them, we receive them, but they can just be sitting there in our lives useless, mm-hmm. you know, unused, un, not able to bear the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's a good question to ask ourselves. Like, are these things that I would characterize my life 
by or characterize my life as a pursuit of, you know, wisdom, knowledge, all those different gifts. Um, how are those being manifested in my life? Or if I feel that they're not there, um, do I have the boldness to continue to pray, come Holy Spirit, um, you know, reveal within me these gifts that you've given me? Yeah. And that flows into um, the fruits of the Holy Spirit, that if um, we are not using these these gifts, then we're not going to be producing fruit in the way that God desires us to produce fruit. So from the gifts, we have the fruits of the Holy Spirit, um, which are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, modesty, self-control, and chastity. All these lovely things that are gifted to us, um, That I'm sorry, that our lives produce this fruit. And it says in the Catechism that fruits are signs or visual manifestations that our life is being transformed or perfected by God. So um, we often see this when I've had this happen a couple times in my life. Um, One time in particular where I remember being in a college class and sitting next to somebody for a good chunk of the semester and then stopping me after class one day I really hadn't talked to them at all and them saying there's something different about you I know this might be a weird thing for me to ask you but why are you so different (laughs) and I was like yeah that's a really weird question like what do you mean he's like I don't know and this guy wasn't hitting on me he wasn't doing anything weird and he didn't approach me in a strange way but he just said like I just noticed there is something different about you. You're joyful. You um, have this look in your eyes, and I don't know what it is. I can't pinpoint it, and it's very rare that I see something like that. And I said, well, um, I'm Catholic, and I love my faith, and I love Jesus. That might be it. And he was like, yeah, <laughs> that's it. But we need to recognize that these <laughs> gifts are going to produce fruits that people are going to notice. Yeah, They're going to see them, and if we're not producing fruits, then people are going to notice that too. Yeah. What's different about you? I'm a spy. (laughs) Why would you say that? I don't know. That was the first thing that popped in my head. It was really weird. I had this barista at Starbucks the other day. Um, She like gave me my tea and then she was like, what's your ethnicity? And I was like, it took me like 10 seconds to respond to the fact that like, that's pretty brave of her to ask me that question, A. Like, I wasn't offended at all. And then I was like, is this lady hitting on me? And then I was like, okay, like, that's nice. Uh, I haven't been hit on in a while. And then I'll just tell her. And then I had to remember what my ethnicity was. So, yeah, it was really So, funny. yeah, people are either going to notice and ask you what your ethnicity is, or... Or, I don't think that you. was me personifying the Holy Spirit. I was, I was in line at Starbucks. But... We will produce fruits of love. Um, People will know us by our love. People will know us by our joy because our joy is set on something that's eternal that isn't of this world necessarily. And so people are going to notice those things because there's not a lot of hope in our world. There's not a lot of joy in our world. Um, And there's not a lot of modesty or self-control either. Those are fruits. (laughs) I mean, you look at that list and I think what person would look at those, those fruits and say, yeah, I have enough of all of these in my life. Yes. You know, especially just like the first few, like charity, love, joy, patience, peace. Uh-huh. Like those four things, like those are things that we all desire more of, regardless of if you're a faithful person or not, or have any religious belief or not, you know. Um, those are things we're all searching for. And so I think you notice, people notice that about, you know, others or, mm-hmm. you know, that 
person noticed that about you, Jenna, because it's something that our hearts are naturally hungry for. We naturally have that inclination yes. toward um, the divine, that. and we desire seeing that. And when we see someone bearing the fruit of something like that, our heart immediately and our soul immediately are drawn to that because they're seeing something it, that they're lacking. Mm. Well, and that it's that recognition that these are all things that are coming from divine. <laughs> I wonder if they heard that. Um, these are all things that are coming from divine. They're not things that we can like self-create and to, and make. They're not. We can't do it. Stop laughing. I'm sorry. So. That we can self-create um, because they won't be true and they won't be honest. And so people can see right through that. Um, but there's something very genuine when you notice something that is very divine that somebody is carrying that yeah. has been um, created by the Holy Spirit, given yeah. to them by the Holy and Spirit. And if you want to look at that list, that's in Galatians chapter 5, verse like 22, 23. Yes, that is correct. It is. So we've got the gifts. We've got the fruits. What comes next? I was trying to think of something witty to say, but no, nope, there's I'm nothing tired. witty. <laughs> Here's my vegetables. Oh my gosh! If there's fruits. There's got to be vegetables. You're such a dork. What are the vegetables of the Holy Spirit? Um, asparagus. Mm, yes. Asparagus. Jesus. Uh, artichokes. Specifically, artichoke myth- the devil. Mayonnaise dip. Oh, anyways, we're hungry, I guess. Um, no, the charismatic gifts. Oh my gosh, Matt. So... Braca leave sin alone. <laughs> People just need to skip across this section. <laughs> I wish we had chapters so you could just skip. Um, this is gold. This is the best thing I've ever done on this podcast. Vegetable puns about Jesus. Do you have any more? Like Egg, to- plant a seed. Oh no, that was so bad. My face is contorting in struggle. Okay, so, so charisms. Charisms, which I remember being in a conversation with somebody and um, they were talking about their daughter who had gone to Bethel Church and <clears throat> they were talking about how um, their daughter had come back and said, yeah, you know, people were being healed and people were doing this and people were doing that. And then people were dancing and, and snow was falling from the ceiling or something crazy like that. And the dad was like, there's no such thing there. That, that is not how our church moves. That's not, um, what God does anymore. So that's all crazy talk. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not necessarily true. I mean, the snow from the ceiling, I don't know, but God does what he wants. Um, <laughs> But there are these gifts and these charisms that we receive from the Holy Spirit that um, kind of seem, well, they are, they're supernatural and they're not something that is stuck in the New Testament times, that um, we were gifted um, these things to, of healing, of prophecy, of um, whatever else, discernment of spirits, of tongues, all these different things that uh, sometimes especially in our Catholic church, I think we're afraid to look at mm. and afraid to tap into because we're afraid of one, what people are going to think of us and two, if it's actually genuine and real. Yeah. And I think it's important to delineate. So there's, if you have a gift or a talent, you know, we're not talking about the gifts of the spirit that yes. list, but like if you have a gift or a talent, that's different from having a charism and that's different from having an extraordinary charism. So what the list that Jenna was just talking about, those are extraordinary charisms of the Holy Spirit. Very rare, um, but things that um, if 
prayed for with a humble heart, like the Holy Spirit can manifest in those ways in any of our lives because that's the way that the Holy Spirit wanted to manifest and continues to manifest in the early church up until today. Um, we're the ones that kind of limit the Holy Spirit in that sense and say like, oh, that's an old church thing. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, the apostles healed people. Uh, Peter converted 3,000 people in one day, but like that doesn't happen anymore. And that's not true. It's just we don't let it happen anymore. So the difference between the, all those three things, very briefly, if you have a gift or a talent, let's say like you you can play the guitar, like you're a gifted musician. However, that doesn't mean you have the charism of music. So the charism and a gift, um, the best way I've heard it um, delineated are a gift is something that you're good at, maybe naturally you have a natural inclination for, uh, whereas a charism is you could do that thing every single day and never get burnt out and you would continue to see it bearing fruit not only in your life but in the lives of the people that it touches. Mm -hmm. And so not every gift or talent is a charism. You know, there are just some things that you're just naturally good at. Um, Charisms are things that you never get burnt out by um, because they're done in such a way that they give you life and they bring life to the people that they touch. Um, And so these can be things like um, administration, craftsmanship, music, uh, encouragement, teaching, faith, knowledge. um, I'm trying to think of more. um, Discernment. Gosh. Um, Did you say service? Sorry. Service, evangelism, mercy, um, voluntary poverty, um, all these different things. Celibacy. Celibacy. Like those are all charisms. Hospitality. Hospitality is a good one. Helps someone who like is someone who likes to be behind the scenes. Um, and so there are different charism assessments that you can take online um, to kind of determine where um, you might be falling in that spectrum. And then they generally recommend you would take that to a spiritual director and they would kind of Um, work with you to determine if those things are really charisms or just things that you might just be naturally good at. So then are the ones that you just listed part of just the charism or the extraordinary? I mean, I listed a couple that were also extraordinary charisms. I'm thinking about like the gifts assessment that you and I know that we've taken before um, because they kind of incorporate the extraordinary um, charisms. Mm -hmm. The extraordinary charisms, um, these are listed in that... um, what the list that Jenna was um, reading from, and it's a passage from First um, Corinthians chapter twelve, yeah. um, verse eight is kind of where it starts. Um, to one is given through the Spirit the expression of wisdom; to another the expression of knowledge according to the same Spirit; to another faith by the same Spirit; to another gifts of healing; to another mighty deeds; to another prophecy; to another discernment of spirits to another varieties of tongues, and to another interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit produces all of these, distributing them individually to each person as he wishes. Mm -hmm. And so it's clear in Scripture, yes, these exist. Yes, these are meant to be manifestations of the Holy Spirit, not only in the early church, but continuing today. But they're delineated as the Holy Spirit wishes. And so Mm -hmm. not everyone has them. And in my experience, the people that do have them are the people that do not want them. (laughs) Because they typically come with very great burdens and a lot of spirit. Not typically, always in my experience. Always come with a lot of burden and a lot of spiritual warfare. Because when the devil sees a light go up on the blip of his radar screen, um, he wants to destroy it. And so he really makes that difficult. And so um, there are only, you know, a handful of people I've encountered who have these authentic charisms and display them in a way that truly is like humble, not for their own glory. Um, And you can tell just from the moment that they speak about them or you see them manifest, like they're completely authentic. Yeah. Um, So um, Cardinal, well, I'm sorry, Pope Benedict XVI at the time, he was the Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger. 
he wrote a document that was cautioning people um, about kind of the Holy Spirit and how he moves in this charismatic renewal. Um, And he said, at the heart of a world imbued with a rationalistic skepticism, a new experience of the Holy Spirit suddenly burst forth. And since then, that experience has assumed a breadth of a worldwide renewal movement. And what the New Testament tells us about the charisms, which were seen as visible signs of the coming spirit, is not ancient history, overdone, it's not over and done with, for it once again become extremely topical. So he's basically saying, like, these things are things that we should um, be asking the Holy Spirit to, to gift us with. If in that moment, you know, come Holy Spirit and we need to... Um, assist this person or pray with this person or be with this person or ask for miracles. It's not something we should be afraid of. But at the same time, um, we need to remember that we have to, one, be humble about it, and two, recognize the Holy Spirit is moving, and then three, um, follow up after. If something, Mm -hmm. you know, actually, if the Holy Spirit shows up in a very extraordinary way, um, we have to follow up that moment with Here's Jesus. Yeah. Not with, look what Jesus just did in me. Yeah. You know, here's Jesus and here he is. Um, and look at this beautiful thing he's done in your life. And we can't be afraid to pray for these things either. We can't be afraid um, to pause in a moment. If, like the other day I had a teen walk in and she had a, um, a brace on her foot. And um, the Holy Spirit moved me and said, go pray over her right now. And so I typically, I will either be like, uh, no, you're crazy. <laughs> or, or I'll be like, okay. And I just like go and do it. And so in that moment, I felt very convicted to go and do it. And I prayed over her, um, asked her if it would be okay if I did and just asked, um, the Holy Spirit to move in whatever capacity or way he felt like he needed to in her life. Um, and in that moment she was just like, yeah, that was great. Thank you. Um, and it was beautiful, but what I didn't rec- realize was the person next to her that was with me, that was her friend, she came up to me after and was like, Jenna, something just happened that was, like, crazy. And th- she felt the Holy Spirit move through her. So mm-hmm. it wasn't necessarily that the Holy Spirit needed to move in that girl that I was praying over, but um, the Holy Spirit needed to move through this girl that was wow. standing next to her. I was a friend. So we need to recognize that um, <clears throat> we need to be humble and not ask for these things because I know a person that asked for discernment of spirits. And then it kept him awake for like 30 minutes because he was seeing things and it terrified him. And he was like, just kidding, I'm not strong enough for this. <laughs> um, and so sometimes we're not strong enough for these gifts. Sometimes we're not humble enough for these gifts. And we just need to ask the spirit to move in whatever way he needs to move. Yeah. It's, I'm, it's kind of like the difference between like a superhero and a supervillain. You know, like a supervillain, they have these abilities and they want everyone to know who they are and the power that they have. Mm -hmm. Whereas a superhero, they have these abilities, they want no one to know who they are. And so they have a secret identity, you know? And so it's kind of like that difference. It's like, are you using this for your own glory or not? Um, You know, and the gifts are so profound that I've heard it said before that like people who have these charisms will say like, even if I'm not in a good place spiritually, like the the Holy Spirit's not dependent on my sin. Yes. You know, it's not... um, it's not limited by my sin. The Holy Spirit is still the Holy Spirit. And so if I've been given a gift to be able to call down the Holy Spirit for a specific purpose or reason, the Holy Spirit will still do that because the Spirit's the Spirit. Um, the Spirit is unencumbered in that sense. And so <clears throat> knowing that reality is also comforting. And in moments when like, it needs to happen, like healing can happen 
through a person who maybe doesn't have the charism of healing. Mm -hmm. Or a word of knowledge can be given to someone who maybe doesn't have the charism of prophecy. Mm -hmm. Um, Because in that moment, the Holy Spirit needed to work. And we see these things happening more and more that we have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Um, So there's a difference between the charism being something that you can kind of call upon and activate at any moment. Or something that you just felt the Holy Spirit manifest in some way in an extraordinary way. Um, And so it is kind of a difficult area of pneumatology, which is the theological word for like the theology of the Holy Spirit. Um, A difficult area of pneumatology to navigate and understand. And maybe it's one of those things that's not meant to understand. It's just meant to be beheld, you know, like the Trinity and the Eucharist and all those different beautiful mysteries of our faith. But I think um, coming at it from a place from humility is always the most important thing. We have to. We have to because <laughs> I know that when I've talked about these things with my teens, a lot of them come up after like, how do I get this gift? How to get this yeah. one? How to do this? It's like, no, no, no. You don't get like... I've been slaying the spirit the last 80 times I went to adoration. It's like, <laughs> That's my favorite. You know what? I think, I think A, you're tired. I think you're just taking a nap. Yeah. <laughs> B, something else is going on. Um, what was I even saying? Um, Sorry. No, no, no. It's okay. It's okay. But I think there's also this really beautiful movement and, and reawakening in our church of just recognizing that the Holy Spirit really truly does want to move, that we cannot be afraid to move with it, to be guided by him, to allow him to work in whatever way he's feeling us um, or we're feeling him call us to. Yeah. And so um, there's been a lot of different moments in my life where I was absolutely terrified to pray with somebody. Um, I've always been really not great or I don't think I'm very good at praying out loud. Um, but the Holy Spirit prompts me and moves me and just allowing him to really move because he is that expression of love, of um, that outpouring of love that God has given us. And our Father wants to give us more of mm-hmm. that. So really just um, allowing the Holy Spirit to move in our lives in whatever capacity he wants to, um, but being open to that. Yeah. And that's terrifying all at the same time. Yeah. And it's also difficult to discern whether a person is receiving this gift only for themselves in that moment or for the community. So for instance, this happens a lot with tongues. So usually if someone has the gift of tongues and it's in a community setting, the Holy Spirit is going to give someone in that community also the gift of interpretation of tongues. Otherwise, like it's a purposeless scenario. Mm. Um, However, there are moments in prayer for individuals where they've been like, you know, I just felt like I had, you know, was experiencing the gift of tongues just kind of for me. Mm -hmm. You know, like there was this language coming out of my body, this expression that uh, I didn't really know what was happening, but I was, I was, you know, singing to God, almost like, almost like babies when they do the goo goo gaga type thing. And they're, you know, they're reaching out for something they don't understand, but they know is loving, a loving presence of a parent. It's kind of that similar thing. But it's, it's, it's for us individually. And that's not meant to be boasted or be like, everyone, I just got the gift of tongues. Guess you know? what, you guys? <laughs> so yeah. the really important, um, one of the really important roles of one of the uh, extraordinary gifts is the extraordinary charism of discernment of spirits. Because the role of that, um, one of the roles of that charism is being able to see the authenticity of charisms and gifts they're able to discern how the spirit is moving and can really look at a person and kind of see the spiritual reality that they're dealing with Mm -hmm. and be able to determine is this gift authentic is this gift inauthentic Um, and so the spirit is not incomplete the spirit Mm -hmm. always manifests in such a way to where 
um, everything that is necessary in that moment is going to show up. Mm. And so um, our job is simply to say yes to that humbly. Um, And often it's going to come to us in moments where it's uncomfortable. We're not going to want to say yes when there's not a lot of people watching that know us or would um, clap for us or revere us when it's going to be, you know, um, pretty pretty difficult situation for us to say yes to. That's typically when that happens. Um, And a lot of people who have these charisms um, have them under the radar or have them and don't want them. Yeah. And I I liked your comment that you said it's for the person, but it's also for the community because it's, um, especially for like a gift of of healing or a miracle of healing happening. I know um, that happened near us a year ago and it has caused so many people to um, recognize how the Holy Spirit wants to move and how he is a miracle worker, how our God is still a miracle worker and that still is a movement that um, God wants to create within our lives of creating miracles and just seeing how it, one, didn't just affect that one person that was healed, but it affected the whole entire community that surrounded her and heard about that story. Yeah. And healing is one of those, um, at least I, in my own experience, one of those kind of difficult charisms to understand. Um, and so there's a great book called Healing, um, and it's by Mary Healy, if you're interested in learning more about this. But book. what's specifically great about it is what, to, what happens when a person isn't healed. Or what happens yeah. when a person thinks they're healed and then maybe it ends up it's worse. Yeah. Because that's happened um, locally too where someone was he- prayed over by someone who had the charism of healing and they thought they were healed, mm-hmm. uh, they felt healed, and then they went to the doctor and then it ended up worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like how do you handle that situation and why is that? And to recognize that like that that's not a... Um, uh, an indicator that the person with that charism is being inauthentic, it might be an indicator of the fact that like there's not a recognition that these charisms are meant to manifest not just for the spiritual realm of life, but also for the physical one. Like mm-hmm. we're a body and a soul. And so in that book, anytime someone who has a charism of healing, who's been trained in it well, sits down with someone to potentially see if God wants to heal them or is God, if God could potentially heal them in this moment, they're meant to do kind of like an interview with them. And ask them not only about the physical healing that they need, but was there anything that was going on in your life at the time that this physical like um, sickness or illness manifested mm-hmm. um, spiritually? Was there something going on with your family? Was there something going on in a relationship? Mm-hmm. Like, let's talk about the whole person. And when the whole person is then awoken to the fact that there's brokenness there, yeah. and then there's an openness on that person's um, part to receive the Holy Spirit... The other person just becomes like the med- like the the delivery method. Yeah. You know, um, they're not even necessary. That person could probably pray, "Come, Holy Spirit," on their own, and it would come. But maybe they just haven't realized how to do that yet. Yeah. And that minister who's been given that charism is simply there to walk them through it. Right. Um, not that they have this superpower, but they've been trained in a way to call down the Holy Spirit for that specific purpose. Right. So, like I said at the beginning of our episode. Um, <clears throat> encountering the holy spirit it doesn't need to be dramatic so like talking about these experiences of healing and um, prophecy or whatever um it doesn't need to be dramatic the holy spirit will encounter us just simply with us praying come holy spirit and he can be that gentle breeze or he can be the crazy storm that comes into our lives and radically changes our hearts um so he, it doesn't need to be a dramatic encounter every single time. It can be very simple and very quiet and just be peace that is on your heart. Yeah. So who is our saint? Our saint today is someone who pretty much 
manifested every freaking gift that you could possibly think of, <laughs> and that's Saint Padre Pio. Um, he's the patron saint of civil defense volunteers, adolescents, stress relief. Uh, his feast day is September 23rd, which was the day he died. Um, so he was born in 1887 on May 25th. His birth name is Francesco Forgioni. Wow. Um, and he was born in Pietralcina in southern Italy. And it, that's uh, a place that still has only about 3,000 um, inhabitants today. Um, and he was the son of peasant farmers. He was the second oldest of five. He had one older brother and three younger sisters. Um, so he was baptized um, as a child. He served as an altar boy. And at five years old, he decided to give his life to God. Okay, um, fine. So yeah, that's totally normal. Um, he would see Jesus and the Virgin Mary and his guardian angel as a child. And he thought everyone could do that. And so like he didn't realize that he was having these visions and ecstasies as a kid. Um, but he was also very sick as a child. Um, he also was very partial to like extreme acts of repentance and fasting. So he would use a rock as a pillow. He would sleep on the floor Why? as a penance. Um, and his family was very devout. They abstained from meat like Gosh. three times a week. They went to daily mass. They prayed the rosary every night. His uh, parents and grandparents were all illiterate, but they would recount scripture stories to him um, um, just from memory. Um, so at a very young age, he wanted to join the Capuchin order, which is a very strict order, but they told him they wanted him to receive an education first. Um, and then they would accept him. So his father went to the, the U S to work so he could pay for private tutoring for him. And when he was 15, then he was finally educated and old enough to enter the novitiate for the Capuchin order. And a few weeks later, he took the Franciscan habit (laughs) and took the name Pio after Pope St. Pius I, who he was um, an admirer of. Um, So he studied for seven years, and in that whole time, he was very ill. He struggled with illness his whole life. and um, but despite that, someone would some people would encounter him in prayer um, during the novitiate during his time in seminary, and he'd be in ecstasy, or he'd be levitating, or he'd be like in just these extreme um, moments, extraordinary moments of prayer. Um, so his health did not improve in that time, but he uh, he took vows in 1907, so he was about 20 years old, and then he was ordained three years later at 23. Um, so yeah. Man. Um, then he stayed with his family. He was stationed near his family for about six years because of his illnesses. But eventually he was just kind of ordered to go back into community life when he was about 29 years old. Um, so uh, around that time, 1916, World War One was happening. And so he was actually drafted into World War One. I. I didn't know this Whoa. about him. He was drafted into World War One as a medic, but he only served 182 days um, because he was discharged because of his poor health. Um, and so, um, when he was 31, he, um, this is what he was probably most known for. He received what's called the stigmata for the first time. Mm -hmm. And those are the, basically the wounds of Christ on his hands, his feet, and in his side appeared on his body, um, mystically and extraordinarily without explanation. Um, and this continued for 50 years for the rest of his life. (laughs) Okay. And he originally, he wanted to suffer in secret, but a few months later, people started to find out because, well, he was bleeding everywhere. Um, and they would recount that his wounds smelled like flowers, um, all these different things. So people after World War One they saw him as kind of this source of hope. And they would um, 
be recounting his gifts of healing. Um, he was known to bilocate, be in two places at once. Um, levitate, he had the gift of prophecy, miracles would be performed, um, things like extraordinary abstinence from sleep or nourishment. Um, he had the ability to read hearts, uh, the gift of tongues, the gift of conversion. Um, so pretty much like the whole, he had Dang. all, he had the Costco of gifts. Like Costco of gifts. He had them gifts. all. And like in an abundant supply. Um, so um, his wounds actually, they were studied um, and they were deemed to be unexplainable. They were never infected. They even uh, healed once um, because he begged God. Um, he actually, he asked God, don't remove the pain. But just remove the wounds. Like he didn't want the attention. He was like, I don't mind the pain. Like I'll take the pain if that's what you want. But remove the wounds. And so God actually allowed them to heal. Um, and so, but when they were studied, they were um, found that the, the wounds edges were smooth. They didn't have edema, which is like the fluid when you have a wound. Um, and x-rays revealed that there was no abnormality in the bones or anything like that. So it was a very strange um, manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Um so he often covered them when he had them because he was embarrassed by the attention. Um, and his wounds uh, disappeared again at his death. And there was no evidence of scarring. There was even reports that all the, bo- the blood in his body was gone um, when he died. So, um, okay. But after his wounds healed, after he asked God um, to take them away and to leave the pain, he experienced what um, is called a transverberation where he, um, he had this mystical experience of feeling the piercing of Jesus Christ's heart in a moment of ecstasy and then the wounds reappeared and remained for the rest of his life after that Um, so he was actually he was subject to many church investigations because people thought he was faking they thought he was using this thing called like carbolic acid which was used in his role as a medic um, that can burn skin But the effects of the wounds, um, there would have been a lot of burn marks. They wouldn't have been smooth. They would have been probably infected. Um, But still, from the years of 1921 to 1934, he was prevented from uh, performing any of his priestly duties. So for 13 years, he was basically like kind of ostracized, under investigation. Um, But eventually, um, he was able to go back um, into doing that. And so um, he actually heard the confession of a young Pope John Paul II when he was Carol Watia. And he prophesied. Um, there's, there's accounts that he prophesied to Carol Watia that he would ascend to the highest point in the church. Um, and he later became Pope. So, um, so John Paul II, he actually later asked Padre Pio to pray for one of his friends who was suffering from cancer. And then that person was found to be spontaneously in remission. Um, so, yeah, pretty awesome. And then John Paul II was actually the one who opened his cause for canonization and was able to canonize him as saint in 2002, which is crazy cool. So he was a spiritual director. Um, His five rules for spiritual direction were weekly confession, daily communion, spiritual reading, meditation, and examination of conscience in the morning and in the evening. Those were the rules he always tried to help people to abide by. So when he died at 81 years old, he died in 1968, two days after the 50-year anniversary of his stigmata appearing. Um, And so the day before, um, he said his last high mass for um, thousands of pilgrims. And, uh, and then he died the next day after renewing his vows and making his last confession. Um, his requiem mass was attended by over 100,000 people. Um, and all of his gifts, despite as amazing as they were, they came with a lot of spiritual torment. He would suffer attacks from the devil himself. Um, and what's crazy even now is his body is incorrupt. He's one of the incorrupt saints. So his body is not decomposed. It's mystically been preserved. Where is it? Um, I don't know where it is. It was in Rome um, for some special um, 
occurrence. I can't remember what it was. I'm not sure where he is now. Um, his most famous quote is just simply, uh, pray, hope, and don't worry, um, which is such a good, like for someone who was that extraordinary for have that simple um, type of, of quote is just so awesome. Um, he also said, after my death, I will do more. My real mission will begin after my death, which is, I think, why so many people flock to him. Um, and so there's a couple other quotes that we'll put up in the show notes, but, um, you know, St. Padre Pio is just one of those great examples of what it looks like to be an extraordinary minister of the Holy Spirit. And so, um, St. Padre Pio, pray for us. St. Charles Borromeo, pray for us. Um, if you like this episode or you'd like to share it with someone, please, um, comment and share it on social media. Um, at Mana Food for Thought on Instagram is our um, primary means of contact, but we're also on Facebook and Twitter. Um, and then please rate and review this podcast. It's how other people find it on whatever way you listen to podcasts on our website, on iTunes, uh, Google Play, Stitcher, any of those. Um, and if again, if you want to support our podcast financially for as little as $1 a month, we would really appreciate it. But until next time, we will see you in the Eucharist. Bye. Bye. Episode 10 is done. Done. <laughs> Thank you.